I am so um, proud to be a part of a church, spiritually proud to be part of a church that is living sent. And all throughout this summer, there have been mission trips and VBS and missions going on like crazy. And I'm just so excited about that. There's even a mission magazine, if you've never heard about that and you're watching online. I would love to send that to you. If you'll send me your address, I'll send you that missions magazine full of what we're doing and how, how we're doing it. But just pumps me up uh, to be a part of a church that's living sin. Now, as we approach Serve the City, I, I want you to make sure that you understand that we don't need to leave something out. As you pack for a trip, uh, it's funny how the lists go and what you do. And you always feel like you forget something. But I want to make sure we don't leave something out. And that's prayer. I want us to, to go into going to serve the city and look at all that's available at serve the city. Um, you, you can go to rockbridge.cc forward slash serve the city and look at all the opportunities. Before you do that, I want you to pray. And when I look at the Bible, it's amazing how I see these stories of how God acted in the movement of the church. And it's just a miracle, uh, miracle territory. And there's always a group of people or someone that's involved with that. And they usually pray. And their prayer is not a safe prayer. It's not a now I lay me down to sleep type prayer. It is a dangerous prayer that's a kingdom prayer, a hell-shaking prayer, and it's dangerous. So we're in a stage as a church to where we need to pray before we attempt anything, before we move out. Don't forget prayer. And there's nothing that will empower us and motivate us more than the Word of God in prayer. So there's a guy in the Old Testament named Nehemiah. It's one of my favorite stories. The reason it's one of my favorite stories is because he was a guy just like you. And so we see, and it says in Nehemiah 1.11, uh, at that time I was the king's cupbearer. And so that's maybe like personal assistant today, but he's not a priest He's not a prophet. He's not a king. He's a guy like you. He's a guy that just wants to get in there like you, and he's helping the king out, and he's serving the king. He's there because of bad circumstances. He doesn't let those bad circumstances dim his joy or dim, dim how much he loves Christ. But he is just like you. And I love this example of prayer that he gives us because of that. You don't have to be like a seminary student or read the, read the whole Bible to be able to pray and know what you're going to do and to get involved with praying dangerous prayers. So to get you caught up in Nehemiah 1 and 2, uh, we see Nehemiah, he is, he is shaken. Something happened. Seeing as a young kid, young boy, he was taken from his homeland, Jerusalem, and he was placed in Babylon. And he is a slave. He is a secondary citizen. You don't think of the context. If you know the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and the burning fiery furnace, this took place the whole time. And so as they were leaving Jerusalem, they made sure to burn everything down, to tear all the walls down, to break down all the gates. You'll see in uh, verse 3, Then they said to me, The remnant in the providence... Um, the remnant in the providence who survived the exile are now in great trouble and disgrace. Jerusalem's walls had been torn down and its gates burned. So where he was baptized, where he learned the Bible, 
where he worshipped, where he, if he got married, I don't know. It was torn down. Can you imagine that building that you think is sacred and you like to go there and it reminds you of those times in the past where God moved in your life and you just have some memories there? was in ruins, tore down. And so this led him to pray dangerous prayers, not safe prayers. And let's, let's take a glimpse at this as we move in to serve the city and know how to pray those prayers. And so it's a narrative in the Bible, so we're just going to pull out some glimpses. And so glimpse one, he was burdened to pray. And so in Nehemiah chapter 1 verse 4, we see this burden. We see where he was burdened to pray. So when he heard the words that this place that meant so much to him was torn down, he sat down and wept and mourned for a number of days, fasting and praying before the God of heavens. So there has to be, before you move in to do a project, there has to be a burden that's on your heart about that project. So what, what walls have been torn down that you see in this community? A pregnancy center, a homeless shelter, that shouldn't be. Justice should be in those situations just as much as it's in your life. And so where that justice is not taking place there, and you could help out with the gospel, you could help out with your hands, have a burden for that. Have a burden for what's going on there. He, he actually wept for over 100 days. He fasted. What is fasting? It's giving up something. And when you think about that something, that's when you pray. And you center yourself and focus on how and what needs to be, happen to build those walls back. To give those kids a meal on the weekend. To help those ladies out when they choose to keep a baby and how they're, what they're supposed to do. You pray. and You have a burden for that. And so why in the world would we do that? Because we look around, and we're comfortable. And we see situations where they're not so comfortable. And so we have more than we need to help those in need. So in America, if you're watching and you live in America, which the majority of the, the, the audience is watching from places in America, you have more than you need to help those in need. You've been resourced to help the under-resourced. So first thing you need to do is not petition, not protest, but pray and fast. That's a different take, isn't it? Because uh, there's a lot of stuff going on. It, it's going on. Hey, come to this protest with me. Sign this petition. Nope, I'm praying and I'm fasting. If I'm praying and I'm fasting for what the walls are, that the walls are torn down. So they're broken down. Uh, when I heard about kids in public schools here in Dalton, Georgia, it's where I live, um, and we're broadcasting from, here in Dalton, Georgia, and I heard about schools where kids literally were not getting any food from lunch on Friday till breakfast on Monday. It broke my heart like it should break your heart. And so we partnered with the school in the Chattanooga Food Bank, and we have groups that go out on Thursday night, and they pack lunch bags and backpacks full of food to give to those kids. Now, who picks those kids? The school teachers do, because they know more about those kids than we do. But we provide the, the nutrients and the food that they can open up pop cans of macaroni and different things for those kids. It burdened me, and it should burden you. 
uh, when I walk past the pregnancy center, and you've got one in your town, and I see ladies going in there, not to, not to kill, but to give life. And so they need to understand from a mom and from a woman what it's like to have a baby. And so it, it should burden you. And in transition, as we get these glimpses of dangerous prayers, we need to live out empowered by Jesus in the service city. So when you pray for kids to get food, when you pray for those young teenage moms that make the right choice, it should be powerful prayers that lead you to, to, to pray and to fast. And gl glimpse number two, in chapter five, we see he was burdened. And this burden was noticed. He was broken in prayer. Burden was there. And we see him walking back to the king. And he's burdened by that. And he said, I said, Lord, the God of heavens. So who did he cry out to first? He didn't cry out to, to Nehemiah. He didn't cry out to the king first. He cried out to the king of kings first. And he wanted to make sure that the king knew what was going on in his life and how burdened he was about this. He didn't try to fix it fight it or figure it out he was faithful to pray now my first reaction i'm gonna fix it i, I want to fight that's what i want to do but it's we need to be faithful we need to pray to the god of heavens which means the god that's higher above everything the, he is the one that is going to fight he is the one that's going to fix it we just need to be faithful and so god's nature is the foundation of prayer he is the highest of the high when I pray to him. I don't ask him to come alongside me. I pray to him as the answer. Not a answer, but the answer. So there's, there's two or three parts to this prayer um, in this glimpse that we see, the second glimpse. He's broken in prayer. And I don't want us to look at these parts. And so chapter 1, verse 5, we see the great and awe-inspiring God who kept his gracious covenant with those who, I, who he, those who loved him and kept his commandments. Now, we're praying to a God that's absolutely great. He is a God of position above and higher than everything. An awe-inspiring God. He is a powerful God. He's a covenant-keeping God. He's a promise-keeper. He's a good, good God. That's the foundation of prayer that you're praying to. And it breaks our heart. Take that brokenness to God. And then number two... He agreed with God about corporate and personal sin. Now, take this serious, as serious as God takes it. So God takes it serious. Let your eyes be open and your ears be attentive to hear your servant's prayer that I now pray to you day and night for your servants, the Israelites. And he says, I confess the sins we have, corporate sin that we have committed against you, both I and my father's family have sinned. We have acted uh, corporately towards you and have not kept the commands, statutes, and ordinance you gave your servant Moses. So he prayed corporately. I don't know if you've done this or not, but if you're part of a church and you can see corporately that church is sinning, don't try to cover it up. Go to God and say, hey, we've got comfortable we used to, this city, man, we used to, if we were gone, this city would miss us. If we're gone now, maybe not so much. God, we pray on the foundation of who you are and our sin that we've lost our urgency. 
God, we've lost our passion. We've lost our sense of mission. God, before we do serving the city, we confess that to you. And so he didn't pass the buck. He didn't say, well, I'm okay. The other people in the church, they're bad. No, he prayed the corporate prayer of, of confession. So safe prayer passes the buck. Dangerous prayer accepts the blame. I'm a part of Rockbridge, so I'm a part of the problem, if there is a problem. I'm a part of the problem. And then there's stuff in my own life that I need to confess to God and take before him before I start trying to do ministry, before I start moving forward and building back walls that need to be built back. Agree with God about what you've done. And then we, we see that he was remind, reminded God of the promises. He reminded God of his promises. God is a promise-making and a promise-keeping God. He says, please remember what you, you commanded your servant Moses. For you are unfaithful. If you, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and carefully uh, observe my commands, even though your exiles were banished to the farthest horizon, I will gather them from, the, from there and bring them to the place where I chose to have my name dwell. So God is saying, as he confesses his sin, I'm going to remind God of what he said. And he told Moses that he will be the promise-keeping God. So Nehemiah just reminded God, hey God, you said if we come back that you will empower us and you will do great things through us. It's an absolutely incredible prayer. And it's okay to remind God of what God said and who God is. And the thing about this is, Nehemiah had Leviticus 26, 33, and Deuteronomy 34, 34 the verses there, and the chapters there. He, that's where he pulled that reminding God and pulled that out. He had those memorized in his heart, and he went to God with Scripture. And he said, God, this is what your Bible says about who you are and about who we are. And God said, hey, I will give you a place and give that back. I'll build that wall back there in Jerusalem where you study that's breaking your heart. I will do these things. And then a part of that glimpse of prayer is to not only ask God and remind him of his promises, but ask God for success in favor. Ask God for success in favor in what you do. And the reason we do that is because let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, he will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So again, we point towards the gospel, and God's the one that's going to give the favor. But there's nothing wrong with asking God for success and favor. And when I, somebody hears me pray like that, they'll come to me and they'll say, oh, you know, okay, you know, well, that's kind of, kind of boastful, and I hear a lot of confidence in there. Well, what do you want to pray? For failure? You want to ask God to help you fail? No, God, I'm not coming on, on my behalf. I'm coming on behalf of you in humility. I, we can't do this. God, we can't change what's going on at the pregnancy center. And we can't get the word out enough. God, you help us do that. And God, I humbly ask you for success and favor, and Nehemiah did. He says, they are your servants and your people. You redeem them by your great power and strong hand. Lord, please let your ear be attentive to the prayers of your servants and to that of your servants who delight to reveal your name give your servant success today and grant him compassion in the presence of this man 
So Nehemiah is going to ask the king, the king of that country, the king that had all power and all authority, and he was doing a good job as being his assistant, as being the cupbearer. And he's going to go ask him to let him and a group of people go back to Jerusalem and build, and build this wall. He's not going to only ask them to, to let them go, go. He's going to ask for a blank check as they go. And so he, that's how he went before God. He reminded God of his promises. He asked God for success and favor in this. And if you keep on reading in Nehemiah, you will see that he went before the king, and the king gave him his blessing, him and that group to go. And so as you are with a group going to serve the city, whatever is you think is a roadblock, man, you just go, go in God's favor and go in God's success. Don't put your confidence, strength, and, and what God says about you know, something else or, or, or as you participate and serve the city. Put your confidence in God. And so we've seen these glimpses of God, these first two glimpses of God. Glimpse number three is, uh, is his prayers led to a movement. So as he started praying, and the glimpse, he was burdened about it. And, and he started praying and went to the king about it. And he's physically... He was physically moved by it. So this prayers led to a movement. The king saw in Nehemiah a movement physically in his life. So the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of the heart. So Nehemiah goes to the king, and he's been praying for all this time, he's been fasting for all this time, he physically looks sick because he has such a burden about the walls that have been torn down in his life. This is not the way it's supposed to be. And he keeps praying, and he keeps praying, and he goes before the king, and the king says, okay, Nizmai's complexion changed, but when he talked about broken walls, it meant something to the king because there was a visceral response, a physical response to what was going on in his life. And you can get desensitized to it and not pray, or you can be re-energized through your prayers. And you look around you, and people are just getting desensitized, especially the church, to things that not, should not be so. And so I would like to ask you to re-energize your prayer life and keep praying. Keep praying. You, it's, you should be physically moved by this. And so there was also a move as you look at this move, organizationally. So physically and organizationally. If you look in verse 18 in chapter 2, and I told them, that that's that remnant that went Nehemiah. So the organization, the church was moving. The church is a movement. It's not a museum. I told them how the gracious hand of my God had been on me and what the king had said to me. They said, let's start building. And their hands were strengthened to do this good work. That's a powerful verse as you move in to serve the city. Okay, I'm with Nehemiah. Nehemiah's got God's favor on him. Nehemiah asked for prayer for me and my hands to be strengthened and my hands are being strengthened. Hey, let's build. Let's build. Let's go. And so in chapter 6, 6 15, now this is a few chapters ahead of time. Read those other Read what goes on in those other chapters. The wall was completed in 52 days. So they were burdened. They asked for the blessing. They asked for God's favor upon their life. Uh, he was moved physically. The organization moved 
corporately. And Nehemiah and this group of people built the wall in 52 days. It's one of the greatest leadership things that, that ever happened in the Bible. It's incredible what took place. And take these prayers and these principles with you as you go. And I think something is, is incredible here. Nehemiah worked longer in prayer than he did in completing the job. If you look at how long he was burdened, 100 days, and it took him 52 days to complete the job. And I'll tell you here, um, no matter what you do to sign up, you go to www.rockbridge.cc, serve the city, and look through those things. You pray about it. And if you sign up for something, I can guarantee you this. There's been people praying for you for a long time. They're looking for you to come. And you, you've been empowered. And you're joining a movement of God that is going to rebuild the walls that we have seen torn down around us in our cities that make up North Georgia and Tennessee, the Tennessee Valley. And I cannot wait when this thing is over and we get new tasks and other tasks to keep moving. But when this serve the city is over, there's no way because we've prayed and we've been involved in getting God in this and he gets the glory. There's no way someone gets the glory besides God. Besides God. And if you look at the greatest rebuilding story ever, it's when Adam and Eve in Genesis broke and there was sin that, spoke, that spilled out into the world and broke this world. That's why we're going to do these tasks and these projects and why we're praying. It's because it's a broken world. And Jesus came and he built a bridge and connected that brokenness back to his righteousness and his wellness and his wholeness. So if you've never accepted Jesus for your broken and your sinfulness, look at Jesus as the one that never sinned and took your place. Died instead of you, died for you. He fixed it, and he made it all right, and he is making it all right now. And when he comes back, it's going to be absolutely even more incredible. And that's the gospel. We would love to end this by going through those glimpses and giving you an opportunity to pray. So we've been praying, but before we move out this weekend and some next week, let's make sure that we pray. Would you bow your heads, please? So he was burdened to pray. He was broken to pray. And his prayer led to a movement. And so as we see in these verses, we see him moving out. And we see him uh, do great things for God. And we need to make sure that our heart is right. And it's lined up with God's nature and who God is. And God, because of you, you are a foundation. You're a great God, a loving God, a merciful God. God, you listen to our prayers. You're faithful, you keep your promises. Lord, we make these requests to the highest, to you, God. Number two, God, break us. What a dangerous prayer. God, I confess the sin in my life. I agree with you, God, about what the Bible says about sin. 
God, if there's any sin, God, reveal it. Reveal it. I confess it. God, cleanse my life. Cleanse our life. And God, we see a prayer that led to a movement. And we want to remind you of your promises, your great, great promises. And God, may we write those verses on our work gloves. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we'll reap a harvest if we do not give up. May God, would you give us success and favor? If you have a request before God, lay it out now. Ask God to give you success in that project. And then God, there's all kind of broken walls around us. And Lord, as Rockbridge, we're saying we're willing to be a part of the answer. God, use us, work through us. And thank you, Father, for these glimpses into dangerous, dangerous prayers in the life of Nehemiah. May all of us develop your prayer life and grow closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Go sign up for Serve the City.